It's a nasty truth, but those who seek to inflict harm are not phased by gun control laws. I happen to know this from personal experience. And by the way, the Constitution does not say that government shall decree the right to keep and bear arms. The Constitution says the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to Mainstream America. Raw and uncensored. It's the Mac Barron Show. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, coming at you live from the best salad bar in town. It's the Mac Barron Show. Going to talk about House Bill 217 today and how it affects the rights of every American, not just gun owners. Well, the day is March 4th, the year 1789, and the U.S. Constitution is finally in use. It's the Second Amendment, one of the most powerful in the entire document, and it reads, quote, A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, unquote. That is it. A simple sentence with so much meaning and ultimately many political ramifications over our nation's history. This amendment alone is credited with keeping Japan at bay in World War II, as Emperor Hirohito's top generals said that a land war in America would be devastating and more than likely would fail due to the population being freely armed. No nation has ever dared attack us on our land, and that is probably because of that fact as well. It would be one hell of a surprise to anyone who would try. Then along came the gun control agenda and laws aimed at making it difficult to purchase guns. All gun control bills share the same basic goal, a world in which fewer people are allowed to own firearms. Some bills simply ban certain types of firearms or weapons outright. Others placed obstacles in the path of opening firearms or ammunition to make them more difficult and expensive to obtain, thereby shrinking the market for them. However, the most fundamental law of these approaches is that they treat all law-abiding firearm owners as would-be criminals, when the reality is that most firearm-related assaults and homicides are committed by people who completely disregard the law obtain weapons illegally, and still break the law, including laws against taking human life. Taking a look back in history, in 1934, FDR got legislation passed taxing guns. This was the first gun control act passed by the United States Congress. The president that year, a Democrat. In 1938, the Federal Firearms Act required gun manufacturers, importers, and dealers to obtain a federal firearms license. The president that year, a Democrat. In 1968, after the death of JFK, RFK, and MLK Jr., the Gun Control Act of 1968 replaced the one from 38, added language about destructive devices such as bombs, mines, and grenades, and expanded the definition of quote-unquote machine gun. Overall, the bill banned importing guns that have no sporting purpose, imposed age restrictions for the purpose of handguns to 21, prohibited felons, the mentally ill, and others from purchasing guns, and required all manufactured or imported guns have a serial number. The president that passed that? A Democrat. In 1986, the Firearm Owners Protection Act was passed by Congress. Now, the law mainly enacted protection for gun owners, prohibiting a national registry of dealer records. 
limiting the ATF inspections to once a year, unless there were multiple infractions, and softening what was defined as engaging in the business of selling firearms and allowing licensed dealers to sell firearms at gun shows in their state. It also loosened regulations on the sale and transfer of ammunition. The president that passed that was a Republican. In 1993, the Brady Handgun Violence Protection Act, named after White House Press Secretary James Brady, required that background checks be completed before a gun was purchased from a licensed dealer, manufacturer, or importer. It established the National Instant Criminal Background Check System, which is maintained by the FBI. President in office during that was a Democrat. And in 1994, one year later, they quietly tucked into the sweeping and controversial Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act, uh, brought to you by Joe Biden, and signed by President Clinton, is the subsection titled Public Safety and Recreational Firearms Use Protection Act. This is known as the Assault Weapons Ban, a temporary prohibition that was in effect from September of 94 to September of 2004. Multiple attempts to renew the ban have failed, and it also bans certain high-capacity ammunition magazines of more than 10 rounds. The president, of course, that you're a Democrat. Do you see a pattern developing here, folks? It's actually quite clear. That brings us to today and House Bill 127. House Bill 127 combines both failed approaches, banning common types of ammunition and original equipment magazines for most self-defense firearms. It makes all firearms more difficult to obtain and possess through a punitive licensing and registration scheme that just nets the government a lot of money. In its details, however, it's so outrageous, persecutory, and unworkable that its main function is simply to display the hostility of its author and supporters towards firearms, those who own them, and those who want to own them. You see, it all comes down to this assault weapon. Just what exactly is an assault weapon? Well, in researching the definition, it's reasonable to question whether or not there actually is a classification of assault for rifles and other firearms. Obviously, the idea of assault weapons exists as the news claims that everyone has easy access to buying them. But is there an official definition of an assault weapon? It turns out the answer to that question is yes. Assault weapons are actually a thing. To be precise, assault rifles are short, compact, select fire weapons meaning that they switch between semi-automatic or fully automatic fire. As you would probably guess, the public has no legal access to assault weapons as they are reserved for military or special law enforcement use. Certain individuals, generally collectors, must pass extremely difficult background checks, safety exams, and highly expensive licensing. Only then are they able to get these as well. The process is nearly impossible, and for good reason, as the general public probably doesn't really need access to machine guns to begin with. The media, though, just simply decides to call AR-15s assault rifles or assault weapons to further their cause to disarm Americans, simply because they happen to look like military rifles. Some have even gone so far as to say that the letters AR in AR-15 mean assault rifle. It actually means Armalite, the company who created the design. House Resolution 127, also known as the Sabika Sheik Firearm Licensing and Registration Act, will go much, much further than just banning these so-called assault weapons. It destroys the constitutionality of each and every citizen when it comes to the Second Amendment. 
Here are some of the idiotic things that are contained within this bill. Okay, all firearms must must be registered with the federal government. That means they're going to know who all has guns, the make, model, and serial number of the firearm, the identity of the owner of the firearm, the date the firearm was acquired by the owner, and where the firearm is or will be stored, and a notice specifying the identity of any person whom and any period of time during which the firearm will be loaned to another person. The U.S. Attorney General shall make the contents of this database accessible to all members of the public, all federal, state, and local law enforcement authorities, all branches of the United States Armed Forces, and all state and local governments as defined by the Bureau. That means basically anyone could go and find out who owns what. All firearms must be licensed. An individual, in order to possess a firearm license and to possess a firearm and ammunition, must meet the following criteria. They must be 21 years of age, having undergone a criminal background check conducted by the National Instant Criminal Background Check System. They must undergo a psychological evaluation conducted in accordance, and that evaluation must conclude that the individual is psychologically suited to possess a firearm. You must also successfully complete a training course certified by the U.S. Attorney General in the use, safety, storage of firearms, and that includes at least 24 hours of training and demonstrating that on issuance of license, the individual will have, in effect, an insurance policy. Now, the part about the psyche vow is really subjective, especially in the government's favor, as they get to name the terms. A psychological evaluation is conducted in compliance with such standards and shall be established by the Attorney General. The evaluation is conducted by a licensed psychologist approved by the Attorney General. As deemed necessary by the licensed psychologist involved, the evaluation includes a psychological evaluation of other members of the household in which the individual resides. And as part of the psychological evaluation, the licensed psychologist interviews any spouse of the individual, any former spouse of the individual, and at least two other persons who are a member of the family or an associate of the individual to further determine the state of the mental, emotional, and relational stability of the individual in relation to firearms. <laughs> Unbelievable. So basically, uh, if you have a pissed off ex, they can keep you from getting a weapon, period. Even if they haven't seen you in 20 years. Some more idiocy that's contained in this bill. It bans all types of common ammunition, including every shotgun shell larger than 410 gauge. The bill states, quote, it shall be unlawful for any person to possess ammunition that is 50 caliber or greater. Violations of the ban would result in the imposition of a fine of at least $50,000 and imprisonment of at least 10 years, mandatory penalties not seen in many violent or infamous federal crimes, including torturing someone to death outside of the U.S. or committing treason during wartime. The bill would also make it impossible for Americans to follow President Biden's advice. His own advice, where he says keep a double-barreled 12-gauge shotgun for self-defense rather than an AR-15. Well, this bill throws that out the window. House Bill 127 would force Americans to relinquish hundreds of millions of bullet magazines with zero compensation. That's not a gun buyback or a magazine buyback. It's turn them over and you get nothing. 
This will also create a database for ammunition purchases and require all gun owners to obtain a license to purchase ammunition, meaning they know what you have, how much you have. Not good. The bill states, quote, it shall be unlawful for any person to obtain or possess a large capacity ammunition feeding device, unquote. And it defines such devices to include those that, quote, can be readily restored or converted to accept more than 10 rounds of ammunition, uh, except certain integral 22 rimfire magazines. Industry production figures show that there are literally hundreds of millions of magazines out there that hold more than 11 rounds of bullets. As with its ban on shotgun shells, House Bill 127's magazine ban would apply retroactively, affecting items already owned by millions of Americans for lawful purposes. Again, with zero compensation for owners who are forced to relinquish property that was lawfully obtained, paid for, and taxed already. Unbelievable. I'd like to play a piece right now from a city hall meeting with residents in Greensboro, North Carolina. It's gone viral on the internet since it came out and perfectly explains how law-abiding gun owners and a lot of other general citizens feel on government overreach when it comes to gun control. Uh, I didn't have time to uh, You have to give us your name. I'm sorry. My name is Mark Robinson. I've lived in Greensboro all my life. Uh, I didn't have time to write a fancy speech. I didn't have time to, you know, I didn't have the, the resource of an English teacher to sit down and write a speech with at school today and be, you know, bought over here or practice or anything. What I really came down here for is this. Uh, I've heard a whole lot of people in here talking tonight about this group and that group and domestic violence and blacks, these minorities and that minority. What I want to know is, when are you all going to start standing up for the majority? And here's who the majority is. I'm the majority. I'm a law-abiding citizen who's never shot anybody, never committed a serious crime, never committed a felony. I've never done anything like that. But it seems like every time we have one of these shootings, nobody wants to blame, put the blame where it goes, which is at the shooter's feet. You want to put it at my feet. You want to turn around and restrict my right, constitutional right that's spelled out in black and white, you want to restrict my right to buy a firearm and protect myself from some of the very people you're talking about in here tonight. It's ridiculous. I don't think Rod Serling could come up with a better script. It does not make any sense. The law-abiding citizens of this community and many communities around this country, we're the first ones taxed and the last ones considered and the first ones punished when things like this happens because our rights are the ones that are being taken away. That's the reason why I came down here today, gun show or no gun show, NRA or no NRA. I'm here to stand up for the law-abiding citizens of this community because I'm going to tell you that what's going to happen. You can take the guns away from us all you want to. You all write a law, I follow the law, I'll bring my guns down here, I'll turn them in. But here's what's going to happen. The Crips and the Bloods on the other side of town, they're not going to turn their guns in. They're going to hold on to them. And what's going to happen when you have to send the police down there to go take them? The police can barely enforce the law as it is. As what I see, we demonize the police, criminalize and, and, and vilify the police, and we make the criminals into victims. And we're talking about restricting guns? How are you going to do that? How are you going to do that when the police department's already hamstrung? You're not going to be able to go down here and take these guns from these criminals. So the criminals are going to hold on to their guns. They're still going to have them. They're still going to break in my house, and they're still going to shoot me with them. 
And guess who's going to be the one that suffers? It's going to be me. Well, I'm here to tell you tonight, it is not going to happen without a fight. And when I say fight, I don't mean shots fired. I don't mean fist thrown. I mean, I'm going to come down here to this city council and raise hell just like these loonies from the left do until you listen to the majority of the people in this city. And I am the majority. The majority of the people in this city are law-abiding. And they follow the law. And they want their constitutional right to be able to bear, to bear arms. They want to be able to gun go to the gun show and buy a hunting rifle or a sport, a sport rifle. There are no military-grade weapons sold, showed, uh, sold at the uh, gun show. An AR-15 is not a military-grade weapon. Anybody that would go into combat with an AR-15 is a fool. It's a semi-automatic 22 rifle. You'd be killed in 15 minutes in combat with that thing. So we need to dispel all these myths, and we need to drop all this, all this division that we got going on here. Because the bottom line is, when that Second Amendment was written, whether the framers liked it or not, they wrote it for everybody. And I am everybody. And the Lord Biden citizens of this city are everybody. And we want our rights, and we want to keep our rights. And by God, we're going to keep them, come hell or high water. And as you can hear by the applause and cheering that uh, the sentiment in the room was very much like that gentleman's. Here's why I think that House Bill uh, 127 just can't work. Because the U.S. intentionally does not already have a national firearms registry. It would be impossible for the government to fairly and effectively enforce this system with respect to existing gun owners. That way, no one knows where guns are. No one knows where bullets are. And if we were somehow invaded, it would be a massive tactical disadvantage for that enemy. The firearm registry database would have to be made available to, quote, all members of the public, as well as all branches of the armed forces, among others. This would facilitate private discrimination against gun owners, including in such things as employment and access to essential services like banking, insurance, and housing. It could pit neighbor against neighbor in an effort to shame them as gun owners in an area where it's frowned upon socially. It also seems to presuppose that the main branches of the U.S. military, which is prohibited by law from engaging in domestic law enforcement, would now somehow have a role in policing civilian firearm ownership. Ironically, the criminals who possess firearms illegally would just self-exempt themselves from registration requirements. Well, because they got them illegally. House Bill 127 would retroactively criminalize firearm ownership by young adults. Currently, there's no federal prohibition on adults aged 18 or older from possessing otherwise lawful firearms. This would change that. The bill, however, would require a license to possess any firearm, and licenses would only be available to those age 21 or older, thus making those between 18 and 21 instant felons. Millions of young adults, including those in the military, would become ineligible to possess any firearms for their own lawful purposes under this legislation, including any firearms they already owned. House Bill 127 would effectively price lawful firearm ownership out of reach for many of the poorest and most vulnerable law-abiding Americans. It would require the holder of a firearm license to pay a tax under the disguise 
of a government-issued insurance of $800 per year. You can get a really good handgun for about 800 bucks, which you would have already paid taxes on. Licensed applicants and other members of their household, as directed, would also have to undergo those psychological evaluations at their own expense. No, it's not covered under the process. You have to pay for it. It would also discourage voluntary mental health treatment, including for combat vets or victims of violent trauma, by permanently prohibiting the issuance of a license to anyone who has been hospitalized with a mental illness, mental disturbance, or a diagnosis, including addiction to controlled substances or alcohol. So if you've had a DUI, goodbye guns. It will literally drive people into the shadows, shaming them to remain silent just to be able to have a gun, causing far more harm than good in the battle for those seeking help and those who really need it. Anyone who's been hospitalized with a brain disease would also be ineligible for a license, including those suffering from brain cancer, epilepsy, Parkinson's disease, and even a stroke. Overall, many constitutional scholars have agreed that this would be a fairly open and shut case for the Supreme Court to overturn and prevent from being enacted. Let's all certainly hope so, because I fear that a population, especially an armed one, could become quite enraged if the government shows up trying to take weapons they already own. House Bill 127 has a long way to go before becoming a law, but it is lurking there, ready to be enacted almost immediately. Democrats have wanted this type of severe gun control for a very, very long time, and they are right on the precipice of launching it since they control both houses and the presidency. One final thought. Looking at all of this, there is something that really stands out to me in particular. I am a gun owner. I support the Second Amendment to the bitter end to protect this nation and its people and my family. However, I I do support better psychological testing in regards to firearm purchases and concealed carry permits. As an overwhelming majority of mass shooting incidents show, people who are involved with them are usually mentally unfit to own a weapon to begin with. But amazingly, they were somehow able to slip through the system and legally obtain the weapons. That shows a glaring problem in that process. Of course, it didn't help that the 1980 Omnibus Budget Reconciliation Act signed by then-President Reagan had some hidden-away measures that included the dismantling of the federal mental health hospital system and closure of those inpatient facilities and the subsequent release of those who were already within them, putting the entire responsibility back into the hands of the states. Those states over the next 20 years all found ways to close their facilities as well, claiming fiscal issues or stigma within and about the system itself. They too, in turn, released their patients out into the public as well. Only those who were criminally serving sentences were consolidated into other facilities to accommodate the legal needs. Now those people who are out in the public have had years of living within an open society. They may have married and had children possibly passing along genetically their illnesses and such. At no time in American history has so much of the population needed treatment for depression, anxiety, or other psychoses that it does make one wonder how the system has failed us. And it makes it that much harder to cope with the situation in general. Our mental health system, now renamed behavioral health, is simply overwhelmed. Not enough doctors, not enough nurse practitioners, or anyone to see patients. 
perhaps the time to return to more inpatient care is needed in order to get better focused care and treatment for those who truly do need and those who medications just do not help enough. They deserve that extra mile, and so does society. Thanks for taking your time with me today. I do appreciate your time. As always, this is uh, another week with the Mac Barron Show, and I really hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. Show.